Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Racing with Ryan podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Stevens. Got a big show for you here tonight. A lot of stuff going on. Of course, the World Series is right around the corner. So uh, this will be our World Series preview show. Plus, we're also going to cover the SRL Sports and Race from the Auburndale Speedway this past weekend. We'll cover the Clash and the Power Rankings at the end of the show. So, again, we do have a lot to get into today. Break it down into a couple of different segments for you. Uh, But first, I want to thank our main sponsors here on the show. Big thank you to our friends at Schultz Racing Fuel Cells and Schultz Engineered Products, 124 Welding and Fabrication, American Auto, Tires and Service. Of course, we welcome our good friends at DeBerry Paint and Body, Andy Morrison with Never Give Up, SRQ Taxes, and coming on board for this World Series preview show, a brand new sponsor, we welcome Jacked Racing. Of course, that's Jack Hall, driver of the Double Zero Pro Truck. So thank you to everybody that has come on board to support the show. So again, um, World Series just around the corner coming up this weekend, nine straight nights of racing. They're going to start parking on Wednesday, practice on Thursday with the kickoff party at Elliott Steakhouse on Thursday night. And then we race Friday, get things started uh, with a couple of shootout races. And then, of course, we have on Saturday the NASCAR Wheel and Modified Tour 200 Probably one of the biggest races of the entire season on the first Saturday of Speed Weeks. So, for our preview show, instead of going night by night and telling you what's happening, I think at this point, if you don't know where the schedule is, you haven't been paying attention anyway. Of course, it is plastered all over the New Smyrna website, all over Facebook, uh, pretty much everywhere you look. If you look for the World Series, it's all right there. Um, What I've done is I've come up with Uh, I actually went back and listened to last year's show, and I've come up with three drivers, and really in no particular order, just three drivers that I have a legitimate chance of winning the championship for the five divisions that will be competing for championship points, and I've come up with a wild card for each division as well, plus I've listed all the quote-unquote big races or the extra distance races, and I've come up with who I think are going to win those races. And then when we do the actual uh, recap show in a couple of weeks, we'll look back and see how poorly or how well I've done. Last year, it was kind of hit or miss. I hit on a couple and missed on a few. And, uh, you know, it's, for some of these classes, it's it's tough because I don't have much to go off of uh, except for what, what really happened last year. Uh, some of these drivers we only see once a year. Some of these divisions we only see once or twice a year. So, um <clears throat> That is uh, sometimes what I have to base everything off. So um, let's go ahead and get right into the first division here. And we'll start with, excuse me, we'll start with the Tour Modifieds. Um, The three drivers that I have that are going to contend for the championship in my mind, this was probably the easiest one to get the top two. And I'll explain why. Of course, you have to have Matt Hirschman on there. Uh, Didn't win the championship last year, but won the last three races, including all the big ones, plus the Wheel and Tour opener. Uh, Matt, one of just three Tour Mod drivers to win here last year. So you can't, you just can't overlook Matt Hirschman. Um, I expect Matt to contend in the 200 lapper on Saturday. I expect Matt to be a big factor, especially in 
the Blewett Memorial and the Richie Evans. With the with the standard distance, instead of being 35 laps, being 50 now, I think this plays into Matt Hirschman's hands even more. He likes the longer races. I believe he was one of the drivers that uh, was behind suggesting that these races be a little bit longer than the 35-lap standard shootout. So um, 350-lappers, a 76 and a 100, I think play right into Matt Hirschman's uh, wheelhouse. And again, I think he'll win probably two or three races again this year and definitely be a championship contender. We also have Jimmy Blewett here on the list. Again, what can you say about Jimmy Blewett? Didn't finish outside of the podium last year, didn't win a race, but won the championship. So uh, may not have won many battles, but he did win the overall war. So again, got to have Jimmy Blewett near the top of your list if you're playing along at home. Um would not be surprised to see Jimmy Blewett pick up a win. Last year, kind of an unknown going into the series, driving for Tommy Baldwin. Um, we'd seen him drive for a couple of different teams the last few years and have some success, but not the success that maybe you would expect. Uh, that turned around last year, of course, with the championship. So Jimmy Blewett is right up there near the top of the list as well. Uh, the third driver I have on the list here is Anthony Nocella. And, and this was maybe the toughest pick to put in the top three. Um, you know, you got Ron Silk, you got Craig Lutz, uh, no Ryan Priest this year. Um, but just looking down the list, I, I just think back to what Nocella did a few years ago when he outlasted Matt Hirschman in probably one of the closest finishes you'll ever see. Um, so I put Nocella on the list. Um, definitely one of those guys that get up there and get some wins. Definitely a guy that could struggle and maybe finish in the back half of the top 10 on a couple of nights. Um, Anthony Nocella, to me, is one of those feast or famine type drivers. Um, you just don't quite know what to expect with him. You know Matt Hirschman is going to contend. A, a soft tire is basically what took him out last year. So, I mean, I, I don't know. Anthony Nocella is my third pick. We'll see if uh, that lives up to expectations or not. So my wild card driver here for the tour mods, and again, wild card, basically a driver who I think could show a flash in the pan, uh, could be a championship contender, uh, maybe just somebody who's going to add some spice. I mean, I look back last year, and I gave this to Spencer Davis, and he had a rough start, but rebounded. Uh, Spencer Davis will be there again, uh, but... My wild card for 2023 Tormod World Series goes to Teddy Hodgson. Came down for the first time last year. Had some good runs. Um, didn't quite get that breakthrough performance that maybe he was looking for, but I think he got some good experience, some good confidence. And I think that Teddy, um, he'll, he'll be a guy that'll be in the mix. Uh, does he win the championship? Probably not. But again, that's why I have him listed as a wild card. Maybe he gets up there and pulls a Tyler Rukima and, and picks up a win and then it's kind of an afterthought in the rest of the series. Maybe he's, you know, top three overnight and does steal the championship. You never know. So Teddy Hodgson making his second trip down is my wild card for the tour modifieds. So moving over to the super late models now. Again, uh, same format here. I've got three drivers and this was pretty tough because th this list might not have the depth that the tour modified list does, but the contenders are all throughout the field here. Uh, there was six, seven guys that I could have thrown on this list. So uh, this was definitely tough. And some of you may disagree with my selections here, but that's okay. So let's get into it here. 
Um, I have first on the list here, Casey Roderick, uh, of course, winner of the Red Eye 50, uh, driver with plenty of accolades. Actually, this will be his first World Series, so maybe a bit of a risk to put near the top of your list. But if you've seen what he's done lately, and now that he's teamed up with Anthony Campy Racing in the 18 car, um, I expect big things. I expect a couple of wins. I expect him to be up front. Now, of course, um, just because somebody's had success recently doesn't mean it'll go well for seven nights of racing for the Super Lates, but um, I, I honestly expect uh, Casey, with his experience, with the team experience, with Anthony Campy, I expect them to be very tough to beat. So, um, honestly, a surprise to see him come down for Red Eye, and then a, a pleasant surprise to see him then enter into the Super Late model portion of this year's World Series. Uh, the World Series will be pretty much wide open for the Super Late's uh, defending champion in the 22, Sammy Smith, uh, obviously moving on to Xfinity full-time this year, so not going to defend his championship. Um, so we will see, at least we won't see a back-to-back champion. We may see a new champion. Um, the odds are pretty good on that, but uh, a little bit more on that here in a second. At number two, I have William Swalich in the Donnie Wilson Motorsports number two. They... Uh, since the last episode that we recorded here, they have registered a handful of cars, and I expect all the Donnie Wilson cars to be good. Um, but I have William Swalich in over Giovanni Ruggiero. Um, You know, last year's World Series didn't go so well for, for Giovanni. Got into a dust-up with, with Hunter Wright. Did win a pro-late model race out here during the regular season. But I haven't seen enough of him in a super late to really know what to expect. William Swalich, though, in my opinion, has shown flashes of brilliance. Um, had a good finish in the red, I believe, was in the third position. Um, with Donnie Wilson prepared race cars, I really expect William to have a good season. He was with Donnie Wilson last year, of course, but in a prolate model. So things a little bit different there. And we'll see how it goes. But again, uh, William's a guy I, I could easily see winning a race or two. I could easily see him being stuck between fifth and eighth place every night. Um, it'll depend on if these guys hit the setup, if the conditions play into their hands. Um, over the course of, of seven nights, of course, there's plenty of room for improvement, but plenty of room for things to happen. But I think William will definitely have his breakout season here. The third driver I have on the list here for the Super Late Models is two-time champion Derek Griffith out of New Hampshire. Um he, was, he came up just short of winning a third title in a row to Sammy Smith last year. Uh, I think it was night five or six, or race five or six, that that bit the 12 machine. He got into it with Jesse Love towards the end of the series. That put him behind the eight ball, was not able to claw his way out, and Sammy Smith was your champion. Um, but Derek Griffith, the first repeat winner in like 19 years in the Super Late Models. Again, not going to happen this year, but Derek Griffith will be trying to make it three out of four. And uh, that is why he still makes the list here. He's, he's a guy you can't count out. He's got the experience. Um, he's a World Series veteran at this point. And I, I really think he comes out strong. He knows his place well. Um, he's one of the most experienced World Series driver in this field, besides from like Brad May and some of these other guys. Um, <coughs> I, uh, excuse me, I really expect him to, to be strong to win races, and again, if he were to win the championship, it would be three out of the last four years that Derek Griffith wins the championship. 
My wild card for the super late models. This was tough, but this driver caught my eye here last year. Uh, Gabe Somers in the 15 had a real great start to the World Series and then blew a motor in practice halfway through, and that put him out. I think he was like third in points, a couple of podium runs, some good stuff going for the driver out of the Midwest, and uh, he was one of the fast, fastest qualifiers. I think he sat on the pole after the invert for the Bigley Memorial back in November that we talked about. Um, he'll be making the trip down. I think Gabe is a candidate here to be a breakout star to get that win uh, and to contend for this championship. So really, um, <coughs> excuse me, um, really my wild card driver here, maybe an extension of the championship contenders. Um, you could probably say that about three or four other guys, Brad May, uh, Ruggiero that we we touched on, um, perhaps a couple of other guys may surprise. There are a couple of unknowns on the super late model entry list that uh, honestly I did some research on and wasn't able to find much. Those guys are either going to come out and, uh, you know, make their presence known kind of like Terry Fisher did in the modifies last year, or they'll just be there. Uh, so we'll wait and see, but I got Gabe Somers um, as my wild card for the supers expect him to have some good runs. Is he championship material quite yet? We'll have to wait and find out. Moving on to the pro late models. Now, again, uh, Top three drivers here that I think have a good shot at the championship plus a wild card. Last year, one of the most exciting divisions during the World Series. Great racing, great car counts all the way through. I think they were between like 25 and 30 plus cars each and every night. And it's looking like more of the same here in 2023. Uh, Michael Hind will be back to defend his championship. And uh, he's number one on the list here. He, of course, won the Red Eye 50 back in January, and I know what you're probably thinking, oh, you're just taking people that did well in the red eye and putting them at the top of your list. Well, honestly, if you did run well in the red eye, that gives you a leg up on the competition, in my opinion. Um, that's why I think the red eye was an important race to run. That's why I think we had the cars that we had. Um, it was almost like half of the people coming to Speed Weeks were at red eye, so I, I think people are starting to see the importance of getting that race in. You can come out here and test, test, test all day long. You can go out during the World Series and practice, practice, practice. Uh, but the best way to really learn what your car is going to do is in race conditions. So, yeah, um, people that performed well during Red Eye do kind of go to the top of, the, of of my list. They go to the top of mind. Uh, Michael Hine, though, with one of the most impressive comebacks I've ever seen last year, down like 10 points going into the final race, coming off a big crash, crew, working overnight to get the car ready for him to win the championship. Uh, Connor Jones had an implosion on the final night for the second year in a row. And, and Connor's another guy. You could throw him perhaps into championship conversations for the Super Lates this year. He's going to move up and focus on that. Um, so perhaps one of Michael Hines' biggest contenders, not going to, from what I understand, not going to run all the races. So I think Michael Hines is the easy championship favorite for the Pro Late models, but as we all know, nothing is easy in the World Series. And he found out last year that all it takes is one big wreck to potentially derail it for you. But luckily, he was able to fight back and win that championship. And I think there's a really good possibility that he goes back-to-back. -back. So Michael Hind will be the first one on the list here. Second driver we have on the list is Hunter Wright. Um, I talked about him on our preview show here last year. I really thought... Last year was going to be his year, and it was the complete opposite. It was a disaster of a season, got caught up in crashes, was involved in the rivalry 
with Giovanni Ruggiero. Those two went after each other. Um, Hunter was able to finish the series, and I want to say off the top of my head he was fifth or sixth in points. I think sixth was where he ended up. Um, he had some good runs, but it was not the World Series that he wanted. But I'm going to put some stock in him again here this season. I'm going to put some faith in the 29 car of Hunter Wright. Um, honestly, could almost copy and paste what I said last year into this year. Um, with the World Series, man, that's that's all it takes is getting tangled up with the wrong guy getting a rivalry with somebody, getting in a battle, and your series is done for. So um, <clears throat> maybe this year it'll be his year. So um, I would expect, if anything, if he doesn't win the championship, if he's not able to keep up with Michael Hind, I would expect Hunter Wright to finally break through and at least get that victory. Um, I could definitely see him nailing the invert one night and easily winning one of those 35-lap shootouts. Um I think this team, with with what I know of them and, and where they race at Nashville and, and some of those other places, I, I know they have the speed, driver has the talent, and now we just got to see if they can put it all together. The third driver I have on the list, another uh, driver that participated in the Red Eye, and this is one of the Donnie Wilson Motorsports cars. So, of course, that gives uh, anyone a leg up on the competition there when you, when you have Donnie Wilson Motorsports backing you. Um, so third on the list here, we have Brent Cruz. Uh, he's one of the fastest cars in pro late model practice during the red eye. And I believe, uh, finished up on the podium during red eye. So has that experience knows what the car is going to do now, you know, the conditions will change each night, but has a better understanding of what his car is going to do. And I think, uh, I think Brent will, he'll be kind of like the Williams Wallach last year in the pro lates, maybe a little bit quiet, but always right there. Um, Easily see this kid again, nailing the invert, picking up a win. Um, maybe it takes him a couple of nights to get in the flow of things. Is it's not easy to just hop into the World Series and perform. So um, we'll have to see what the 24 cars does. They they had a good run with the 24 that was William Swallows last year. And uh, I think Brent will be pretty good. Right now, just the the only prolate car uh, for Donnie Wilson this World Series. So... Uh, maybe that uh, not having to share that attention to any other prolates might, you know, be to his advantage. So Brent Cruz, have him listed as three. Again, there's 30 plus drivers on this list. So um, it would be really interesting to kind of look this over in a couple of weeks and see how we did. So my wild card here for the prolate model division will be another one of the Anthony Campy racing machines. This time it'll be Katie Hettinger. Uh, fourth place in the prolate model red eye. Um, actually her second red eye was this season. Um, again, any, anytime anybody with even a hint of talent gets behind the wheel of an Anthony Campy racing car, they are usually pretty strong. Uh, Katie showed that flash at, um, at the red eye also ran very, very well at speed fest just a couple of weeks ago in Cordial. Um, again, wild card because I just don't know that I have the faith to say, yes, automatic championship contender. But I feel like she could turn some heads, and I feel like this could be a huge surprise. So, again, that's why I have Katie listed as a wild card. Looking at the entry list, I mean, you got Jimmy Renfro in there. Um, he had a good run during Red Eye. He finished the podium. Um, there's some other drivers in there that could easily, you know, spoil this whole thing and make me look really stupid. But... Um, I think with Katie's driving potential and the team backing her, that she could really uh, 
turn some heads here during this year's World Series. I, I think she's prepared. I think she's ready. Um, I, I know a lot of people are probably going to be following that 81 car to see how she does. So um, definitely a very interesting wild card for the Prolate model division, and we'll see how it all pans out here for Katie. All right, so moving over to the eBay Motors Schultz Racing Fuel Cells 602 Modifieds. Um, this one's pretty tough, man. That is a wide open field of cars, um, nearing 35 or so on the entry list. I think it's like 33, 35, something like that. Um, so that's a big pool of cars. I think last year the pool was between 18 to 22 different cars. And this year we, we've added quite a few to the field. Four race series, and it'll be kind of a, a Grand Slam series. And they will have three opportunities to race their way into a championship battle in the final race. So that's going to be very interesting to follow. The, the other main divisions, most points at the end of this thing, that's your champion. The 602s, it's going to be an all-out war to find out who's going to win the championship in that final 66-lap race at the end of the World Series. Um, pretty easy, the first driver on the list. You cannot overlook Carson Dijon Tommaso. Um, he's won four of the six races. They've run three races the past two years. He's won four of them. And I, I just don't see any reason why he doesn't get at least one more win, if not two or three more wins. Um, he has proven to be the man to beat in this division. But I think the other 602 drivers are about sick of him and his team putting a whooping on anybody on, on everyone. So Got a lot of drivers working on. We got a lot of new drivers coming down. Got a lot of wild cards. Um, this was by far the hardest one to pick. Uh, but I got Carson P1. Of course, he's one of the top drivers in the power rankings that we'll talk about on the third segment of the show. But hard to not have him at the top here. Um, second driver, second driver on the list. Uh, driver that did pretty well down here last year. Uh, I've got Ricky Collins. I couldn't overlook this car. He'll be driving the 51 car that Blake Barney drove last year, or at least a, a similar car. I don't know if it's exactly the same, but um, made that mistake uh, on the last show. But um, Ricky Collins will be in that 51 car this year. Ran well, again, last year in a different car. I think this guy could definitely, now if you're not paying attention, might catch you off guard a little bit, not knowing you know, who's in what car because they pulled that switcheroo on us last year. We thought uh, we thought somebody else had won, and then I believe it was Ricky Collins who won. So um, Ricky Collins knows how to get around the speedway. He's been down here the last couple of years, has some good support. And again, he'll be in that beautiful 51 car. So Ricky Collins is our second driver on the list of contenders for the eBay Motors Schultz Racing Products 602 Modified Division. And then third, maybe I cheated a little bit here. Uh, picking this third driver because I actually have a pair of brothers in the third spot here. So coming down this year out of the Tommy Baldwin Racing Stables, we have Luke and Jack Baldwin. And I was honestly looking over the list and I went, which one do I pick? Who do I pick as third? Which They're both rookies, both really good Legends car racers, both very good family history. Who do I pick? And I couldn't pick just one. So I put the Baldwin brothers as the third spot to watch. Um, we'll, we'll see which one prevails. Maybe they both prevail. Maybe like those two Tommy Baldwin cars, you got, you'll got. you have the 7NY and the 7NC out there. Um, 
we'll have to watch those kids. Again, they're rookies, so maybe there's some trepidation there. But, I mean, given the team they're racing for, given who Dad is, I, I don't see any doubt in my mind that we'll see those seven cars at least up in the mix. Can they beat Dijon Tommaso? Maybe. Probably. But we'll have to see how it all plays out. So I've got uh, the Baldwin brothers listed at third. And how about another driver as our wild card? Um, and again, this is tough. Maybe you could flip-flop my, my third pick with the Baldwin brothers with the wild card here. Um, we all know, we've, we've talked about him on the show earlier, we all know Jimmy Blewett. His son James is going to come down and run the 602 modified. So I've got James Blewett as my wild card. I know he came down to do some testing. Um, he's got Jimmy working with him. I really think that uh, they could possibly make some noise here and perhaps be a contender as well. Again, there's so many cars on that entry list. It was not easy to only pick, you know, I guess five in this case drivers to to talk about on this one. But I don't know, man. I think Carson Dijon Tomasa is going to be pretty tough to beat. And uh, we'll have to see who's going to bring their A game to end up knocking them off the top. We'll see if it happens. Um, Final division to go over here. Of course, the Florida Modifieds will be in action. Decent handful of cars. Um, you know, we talked a lot about this division last year and the rules changes, and they have finally gone to Modified of Mayhem rules. And I, I see a few drivers on here that maybe would we wouldn't have on the list otherwise. It is the usual cast of characters for the most part, which is fine, but we do have a couple of uh, extra guys coming down. I, I think it'll be fun as long as they all don't wad each other up on night number one like they so often end up doing. Um, my top driver, though, did find out, actually heard from the team themselves, that Cody Stickler does plan to run all of the races. So we were unsure about that. The last couple of times we've talked about him with, with power rankings and such. Um, so that automatically puts Cody as the number one guy. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I had picked Jerry Simons to be the champion. I'm going to have to walk that back a little bit. Um, Got to go with Stickler. Uh, but I, but again, I have Jerry on the list here. So Jerry's got the the home track. He, he's the home track guy. He's got the home track experience, runs here, wins here all the time, whereas Cody Stickler doesn't. But he's got arguably the best team in modified racing behind him. So um, you cannot overlook Cody Stickler. I would not be shocked if, if Cody Stickler ends up winning a majority of these races, 80% of them, if not more. Uh, could he sweep the week? I, th I think it's a realistic possibility. Um, is it likely? Yeah, probably not. Um, I mean, you got Jerry Simons, you got Wayne Parker, Alan Bruns, you got all those guys. Plus last year, a gentleman by the name of Terry Fisher came into the Florida Modified Division and whooped everybody. And we, I say we on this show, didn't even know who he was. Um, unfortunately, Terry is not entered. So not expecting him at this point to defend his crown. So perhaps wide open, for the Florida Modifieds here this season. But you never know who's just going to show up. Um, did have somebody reach out and say, hey, I put in my entry weeks ago and haven't seen my name on the list yet. So um, things do happen. So um, we don't really know who's going to be there until we see the whites of their eyes and they're on that grid ready to go. So, um, But we do have Cody Sickler number one here. Jerry Simons, of course, will be the second driver on the list here. Predicted him to be the champion a couple weeks ago. I mean, still... In, in all likelihood, could end up winning the championship regardless of Cody Sickler being in the field. Uh, well, you know, inverts, play a big part, crashes, mechanical woes, crappy-ass parts, all that stuff. Um, so we got Jerry 
as our second driver on the list here. And the third driver on the list here is Wayne Parker. Um, again, never won a World Series championship, but he's always been close. He has several victories. You can't count him out in any of the races here this week. If he draws the pole, I think that'll be bad news for everybody else. Um, could definitely see Wayne getting a win or two, even battling up there with Cody Stickler and, and putting on a good show. It's going to be interesting to see how the local guys fare with these new mod modified of mayhem rules. I, I know these guys great at working on their cars or they have great crews to work on their cars. So I'm not concerned that their cars won't be up to snuff. I'm just interested to see how the locals handle these new rules. Will it be to their liking? Will it change their driving style at all? That's something that we'll have to watch, especially with Wayne Parker, Jerry Simons, Alan Bruns, those type of guys. Cause I know they were kind of against the change, which you know, I can understand it being their home track. Why do we got to change our rules? But I think it's for the betterment of the series. Um, last year, I was pretty bitter towards this series. And this year, I don't have that same attitude. I'm pretty excited to see how it all plays out and hope, hoping that this rules change is the growth, or at least the start of the growth that everybody's been wanting out of this division. <clears throat> Moving over to the wild card, a, one of the out-of-towners, I have Tim Laurent. A driver I really don't know too much about, but Hank um, uh, Hank Sanders, I want to say Hank Baker. Hank, San Hank Sanders reached out to me and said, hey, my buddy Tim, I believe he's out of Alabama. He's coming down for the World Series. I think he was the first car to enter. And because uh, he had been around in the early days, won a few races over in Orlando. So uh, isn't really a stranger, but he's making his return back to racing in this area. And again, that's what makes him my wild card. He's making a return. He's got experience. Could end up hitting the nail on the head with the setup. And he could be the Terry Fisher of 2023. Um, again, knows how to get it done. We'll have to see if he's able to get it done during the World Series. So Tim will be my wild card there for the Florida Modifieds. So again, kind of to recap everything, those are just the, the drivers, not really in any particular order, just kind of the drivers that, that I saw on the list, um, I wrote them down kind of in order that I saw them and were piecing things together. Some of them might be in order. Some of them may not. It really doesn't matter. <clears throat> the, the fact of the matter is solid car counts in all the divisions, including the support divisions. And, and I know there'll be some that uh, registered and don't show. There'll be many that didn't register and will show. I expect healthy fields at least Throughout the week, uh, you might have a down night or two. If we have big wrecks, we might miss a few cars. We have a, a few cars that are only coming for X amount of races or only running the last weekend or only running middle of next week or only running, um, <coughs> excuse me, before the Southern Super Series. So that's one of the fun things about the World Series. You have comers, you have goers, um, you have adversity you have to get through. It is not easy to survive nine nights of racing. It never has been, but nowadays it's even tougher with the, the parts shortages, with, you know, maybe the reliability of parts, with the fatigue, with various things. The expense, this is an expensive thing. If you're coming to race this World Series, man, you are, you're spending money to get here. You're spending money for your armband. You're spending money to enter your car. You're buying tires. You're buying fuel. Some are replacing body panels. Some are replacing parts. Um, <clears throat> for some making it to the final night of your world series is like winning a championship. And, and that is part of what makes it so much fun. Each, each day is different. Each night is different. A lot of times, you know, you'll have a nine race season and you got to wait a whole week, maybe two weeks for your next race. 
during the World Series, you race, you pack it up, and you get ready to go the next day. There's nothing like it. Uh, very unique event. It's one of the biggest events in this area, and we have a lot of big racing down here. We are actually pretty blessed, so um, <clears throat> it's really going to be a lot of fun. Like I said, car counts looking very solid. Um, and, and when I say that, you know, if you look at the list and you're like, well, you, you said the, the list was going to have 24, 25 cars on it, and, you know, you started 17 the first night, then you started 15 the next, and then you had 20 when the tour came, and then you went down to, like, 12. Uh, it, it could happen. I mean, the Florida Modifies the last few years, despite the challenges in that division, they've had cars. They just haven't been able to keep them all going. So, again, just one of the things that we have to hope and pray for that we don't wad them all up on night number one and, and struggle to keep the fields intact for the rest of the year. But, uh, you know, Tour Modifieds, they got 50. Prolates, they got over 30. Superlates are nearing 20-ish. Um, 20 solid competitors. Uh, eBay Motors, uh, 602s, they've got 30-some-odd cars. Florida Modifieds, that's the that's the one division that you could look at and say, oh, I wish there were a few more. And maybe there will be. So with that said, I'm going to give you my predictions on all of the bigger races. And there are a plethora of big races spread out throughout the World Series. And unfortunately, there wasn't a big race for the Bombers. There wasn't a big race. Uh, I think there's another class, the E-Mods. Um, so I really don't have a prediction there. It'd be hard to, to give you your predictions for every single race. We'd be here forever. Um, but I think we know who the contenders are going to be in the E-Mods. I think we know who the contenders are going to be in the Bomber Divisions. Go watch the Red Eye videos, and you can pretty much pick one of your top three to probably win those races. Um, and it is no disrespect to those guys. I'm just... I selected a few things to talk about here or else this podcast would be two hours long and nobody's going to listen to that. Um, so let's start with the first and maybe the biggest. It, it just depends on what you like, but probably the biggest race of the World Series. Of course, that is Saturday, February 11th. Um, visit New Smyrna Beach 200 for the uh, Wheelan Tour Modified Series, their second season opening their points-paying races down here. Last year's race, of course, won by Matt Hirschman to pretty much nobody's surprise. I believe I predicted Ryan Priest to win that race, and I missed there. But this year, I've got to go with a driver who's only coming down for this race. And that, of course, is Doug Kobe. He'll be driving one of the Baldwin Racing number 7 cars. Um, that is a partnership that was very potent last season. Doug Kobe's not going to run at least to my knowledge, uh, has not entered, hasn't expressed interest in running the full World Series for a while now. Um, I expect Doug Kobe to be that guy to put all his eggs in the one basket to win this race, and I think he will do it. Another driver you could almost echo the same sentiments to would be Justin Bonsignor. Um, did not have a good finish here last year. Did not finish the race, as a matter of fact. One of the first cars out. So his championship defense got off on a tough start. So you could say the same thing doesn't run the series, going to come down here for the one race and just try to win it and get out of here. So, <coughs> you know, those two guys, you could almost flip a coin, but I'm going to go with Doug Kobe, and we'll see how that materializes. Staying on the topic of the Tour Modifieds, the Blue Memorial, the 76-lapper on Wednesday, the only time we run Wednesday. Got to give the nod there to Matt Hirschman. He won it last year, uh, the first of three wins in a row to end his World Series. 
And I'm also going to give him the nod for the Evans Memorial on Friday night. I think Matt Hirschman is so good at those long-distance events. Throw him in as a contender for the 200 as well. Uh, but I got Matt Hirschman to win the Blewett Memorial and the Evans Memorial. And, of course, one of our championship perennial favorites for the Tour Modifieds this season. Uh, perhaps the biggest super late model race. They have two 100 lappers, but with the ASA Southern Super Series coming down on a Tuesday night to run the Clyde Hart Memorial, um, this one's kind of tough because there's not an entry list out for it yet, but a lot of the drivers running the race will be driving some in the World Series as well, if not all of the World Series. Plus, I would expect a good handful, you know, maybe eight to ten other drivers to make the trip down here. I think it's going to be a very solid field Probably one of the best of the week. So super late fans, you're going to want to make sure you're at the Clyde Hart Memorial Southern Super Series uh, now with the ASA backing. That's a big deal. That's going to be a huge race. Um, but based on who I know is coming, I have to give the nod to that race to Stephen Nassi. I don't know what it is about the Clyde Hart Memorial or the Heart to Heart. He always seems to have the car dialed in. I think one of his biggest wins was when he won the Clyde Hart Memorial a few years ago when Kyle Busch was racing. So Stephen Nassi is my pick there to win the Cloudheart Memorial. I think we'll see Stephen in a couple of races. He's not typically one to register. He doesn't always commit. Ever since he won his championship, the, the Super Late Model World Series championship a few years ago, I want to say 2017 or 18, uh, he has not run the full series. I think we'll see him in a couple of races, maybe at the beginning of the week. Maybe he'll stick around, help Michael Hind out, race a few. Um, I hope he does the whole thing. I think he'd be a championship contender for the World Series as well, but... Stephen Nassie gets my nod for the Clyde Hart Memorial. Moving to the other big race for the Supers, the Orange Blossom 100 that will wrap up the World Series. This driver is not officially entered. This driver is rumored to be there. And this is my first bit of speculation. And I could be completely wrong here, but last year this driver got it done, and I think he gets it done again this year. I got William Byron picked to win the Orange Blossom 100. I heard from a very reliable source that he is coming and should be there to run at least the 100 lappers, if not a couple more sprinkled in throughout the week. So I'm going to go with the guy who won it last year, William Byron, to double up as long as he enters. Now, uh, my contingency plan then, and I, I don't even have this written on the paper, so I'm going to put it down just to, to track things, is Casey Roderick. Um Again, I think Casey's going to win a handful of races. I think he's going to be in contention most nights. I think he likes those longer races, too. That's kind of his background. He's a kind of a tour racer, so I think that'll play nicely into his hands. So if William Byron doesn't show up, then my contingency plan is um, Casey Roderick. Moving to the Heart to Heart Prolate Model 100, the finale for the Prolate Models on the same Friday as the Richie Evans. It's one of my favorite nights of racing during the World Series. Um, got to give the nod there to Michael Hind. I think he's going to win the race, and I think he wins the championship. I think Michael Hind, who got off to a rocket ship of a start last year, will probably win three or four races this year. There is great competition. There's a lot of cars, which means there could be a lot of calamity. Um, but I like Michael Hind to win this one. I think his car will stay together. I don't think he'll have to fight through the adversity. that it, I think this year's championship will be that breath of fresh air that the team's looking for. And he'll, uh, well, they enjoyed the hell out of last year. They'll be able to enjoy it more throughout the week. So I got Michael Hine to win the Prolate Model 100, the Heart to Heart 100. Uh, Florida Modifieds have a big event during the World Series. I believe that's on the Thursday night. Uh, they're going to run a 75-lapper. That is 
a race that is part of the six-pack series for the New Smyrna track points. I give the nod there, obviously, to Cody Stickler. Um, with a fast race car and more than 35 or 30 laps to work his way through the field, if there's a big invert, I think this race will be dominated by Cody Stickler. Um, I think what's going to make things tough on him are the inverts. If he qualifies well, has a bad invert with only 30 or 35 laps to get to the front, I think that's how he'll get beat. Um, but with the extra distance race and, again, just speculating here, he could nail the invert every night and not have to worry about it. But I think the extra distance will will make the invert um, not even matter. So I think Cody will win this one, the 75 lap of the big race, uh, as he appeared to win last year before he had it taken away in tech. The 602 modifies will run a 66 lapper, uh, the Baby Blew It Memorial. Um, I believe is what they're coining that. It's going to be a special night. Um, <clears throat> Donnie Allison will be here to drive the pace car and all that fun stuff. Um, again, got to give that one to the top dog that we talked about earlier, Carson Dijon Tommaso. Again, long-distance races I think are going to play into his hand. You know, when you have the shorter races, not a lot of time to work their way up. You get a lot of cautions. You get a lot of beating and banging. Um, could make it tougher to move through the field. So I think this uh, 66 laps will be plenty for Carson to overcome any invert issues. And again, if he nails the invert perfectly, I almost couldn't copy and paste what I just said about Cody Stickler for Carson D, as I believe he will win that big race for the 602s to close out their World Series. Now, some of the support classes have some 50 lappers throughout the week. Looking at the Sportsman 50 lapper first, uh, pretty excited to have this driver enter. I think he's going to be a huge, huge bullet for everybody to have to dodge. I think Rich Clauser driving David Gould's 16 car will end up being the man to beat. And that's some good competition, though. I mean, Matt Green's coming down. Uh, Cody Brusso will be down here. Uh, probably a couple of other big names. I, I, I think that Sportsman series, well, just normal sports and races, like a 35-lapper on Friday to open the World Series and a 50-lapper on Saturday. These are not SRL wheelman races. These are just regular old, if you got a sportsman, come race it, be part of the World Series races. And honestly, great field, the SRL sports and race from Auburndale that we'll talk about on the next segment. But we almost have a field just as good, um, if not better, coming out for the World Series. But I'm still going to stick with Rich Clouser. I think he gets it done, but it will not be easy. I think this could be one of the most competitive races of the week. Looking now at the Pro Truck 50, man, this was tough because Jeffrey White is not entered in his Pro Truck. Does that mean he's not going to be in the field? Absolutely not. He could very well be there, and that could change the game. But I looked at drivers that were specifically entered for, you know, 95% of this. I know I took liberties on the William Byron thing, but I heard some whispers. Um, For the trucks, again, maybe... Maybe he's shooting off the wall here a little bit here, but there's only two drivers that want a truck race here throughout the regular season, and this young lady was one of them. I got Taylor Watson to win the Pro Truck 50. I, it's going to be tough. I mean, Becca Monopoly's in the field. Richard Griffiths will be in the field. A handful of other drivers are going to be in this field, and there's quite a few of them. I, I Last I checked, I think there was 12 to 14 of them signed up, and God knows who's just going to pop in to come race the last couple of nights. Uh, but I like Taylor Watson in this one. I think she'll be strong. She knows how to win. And if there's no Jeffrey White, I think she had the the second or third best truck for most of the World Series. So we'll see if Taylor can get that done. 
OKQ Super Stocks racing for two grand. Um, I would expect a decent field, 12 to 15 cars probably for this one. And uh, this pick may, may surprise you guys a little bit based on the recent things that have gone down. But I'm going to go with the veteran driver here and say, oh, Bobby Holly gets back to his winning ways. Uh, of course, got involved in an incident during the red eye, but they have entered and they are ready to go. I think every time Bobby Holly seems to wreck his car, it gets faster until they completely destroy it. Um, I, I think the Spears will be out there. The the usual suspects. I don't expect too many out of towners because the super stock rules are, from what I understand, significantly different from what they run with these style of cars anywhere else. So it's tough to switch them over for one race, even though it pays two grand a win, which is great. But it's going to be tough for some of those guys to come compete against Spears and Holly and Sammy and and uh, um, you got David Gould in the field. You got Blake Clouser in the field. It's going to be a hell of a field. But I think Bobby Holly will get it done and kind of shake off some of this bad luck that he's had recently. And then the final big race, and, you know, I'm not going to lie, I may have missed a race. I may have easily overlooked somebody. Um, I, I, I spend most of the day with a, with a toddler uh, talking to me, and uh, it is often hard for me to find 15 to 20 solid minutes to sit down and, you know, focus hardcore on some of this stuff. So, again, I might have missed a big race, I might have overlooked a really good driver that you think should be on this list. That is where I like to hear from you guys. And I love getting the comments. I, I love when people, you know, I had somebody react to my power rankings and just say they were asinine. And I, and I love that kind of stuff because, again, that means you're engaged. That means you're listening. And um, honestly, I, I can I can kind of review that that feedback, criticism, whatever you want to call it, and, and to think about it when I do the next list or the next ranking. Um, again, these are just predictions. These are talking points. These are to bring you up to speed on some of the drivers that I feel like you should know about, or at least you should be watching too. And the best part is there's so many people that are going to be watching this world series and so many other names that people hopefully pull me over and tell me about, uh, cause Terry Fisher last year coming out of nowhere and in, in, in my mind to win the Florida modifieds was a cool story. I want to see who's going to be the next Terry Fisher, um, Who's going to be the next Michael Hines story? Who's going to be the next heartbreak? Who's going to be the next Connor Jones, you know, going into the final night with a chance to win the championship and it hasn't happened yet? Um, will Brad May finally break through and get that championship? Who are we going to see? Who aren't we going to see? I already know one driver that paid extra money to register because they registered late that now can't make it because things change. I know there's going to be surprises. I know there's going to be comers and goers, and uh, I look forward to covering each and every day. I'll be up there in the booth. Um, ben Dodge will be up there with me. I'll be doing some live Facebook stuff. I will be with the baby for a lot of the day. Uh, Margo has work, and that doesn't stop. So um, I may not be as early as I normally am. I may not be as free and available as I always am, but I promise you I'm going to do my best job. And I uh, hope you guys can enjoy this preview. It's not just a, hey, let's sit here and talk about the races that are going to happen. Hopefully I was able to give you some insight on some of these drivers. And again, I know there's people that I missed. I know there's people I overlooked. I know there's people not registered that are probably going to be there. Um, you know, Dylan LeBeau in the trucks is, is an example. I'm not sure what their plans are. Um, after what happened at Red Eye, I wouldn't be surprised if they sit this out or if they're keeping their plans quiet. Um, totally understand and respect that. So I uh, still got a lot to cover here on this show. 
But just just so you know, next week's show will be a little bit different. I plan to try to get a few driver interviews. I'll probably do like a midweek recap as I'm driving to the track one day in the car. Um, so the sound quality might be a little bit different. I'll be using my iPhone primarily versus the the good microphones that we have here in the studio and the the recording equipment and the software. But the plan is next week to have the midweek recap show. It won't be a normal show. It'll be what I can throw together for you guys to keep things going. Um, again, if you'd like to jump on the podcast, I put up a link to my PayPal. You can click on that and throw in a couple of bucks. Um, if you use that link, I'm going to give you a free show. So if you pay five bucks, you're going to get two shows. Um, if you pay 50 bucks, you're going to get, what, what would that be? 11 shows. Um, so that's a way you can do that. You can track me out at the racetrack Throw me some cash. We'll get your sponsors on here. These World Series shows, I'm telling you, some of our most listened to shows ever. And I'm not just saying that. I have the numbers to to go back and look at and prove that. So um, so let's go ahead and, and thank those sponsors here. We'll take a quick commercial break, tell you about all of our supporters here on the Racing with Ryan podcast. Second segment of the show, we'll do a recap of the SRL Sportsman Series race and all the other happenings from the Auburndale Speedway after that third and final segment of the show, we'll talk a little bit about the clash at at, De- at, uh, at Daytona. Damn it. The clash at the Coliseum. You can see where my mind is. I, you can see where I want the clash to be back to. Um, yeah, we'll talk about the clash for a little bit. I, I really don't have too much to say. There was some good and some bad. We'll cover it quickly and get it out of the way. Uh, we'll focus more on the NASCAR points races as we get going through the season. Um and then we'll have our power rankings updates. Quite a, a bit of moves. We have power rankings for f- the state of Florida. Final preseason power rankings for the World Series to go over and updated NASCAR power rankings after the clash and heading into Daytona. So all of that is still around the corner. And we'll take a quick break and be back for the rest of the show here in just a moment. Hey, everybody. I want to take a quick moment here and thank some of our great sponsors with the Racing with Ryan podcast, including one of our first American Auto. They are located at 1523 South Dixie Freeway in New Smyrna Beach. You can get a hold of them at 386-428-1941 for tires and service. They've got you covered 100% of the time for fast, dependable service. You can always count on American Auto. We also thank 124 Welding and Fabrication with Ron D'Alessandro and his company for coming on board and supporting the show here. Uh, make sure you check out their Etsy store. Uh, go to Etsy.com and search 124 Welding and Fab. That'll come right up. You can see some of the great items that Ron has for sale. And, of course, you can reach out to them if you want uh, some custom work done. They do all kinds of stuff, welding and fabrication, obviously, but uh, great decorations and metalworking available for sale as well. At 124 Welding and Fabrication, check out the Etsy store. We also thank... Our good friends at Schultz Engineered Products and Schultz Racing Fuel Cells, one of our major sponsors here on the show. Um, They do, I I mean, just high-quality work. If you want the best in safety, you get the best with Schultz. Um, They have been hiring if you're looking for a good place to work. I know a number of people now working over there. Um, Get with with Rob at uh, 732-922-4334. And uh, see what they're looking for. See what's available. If you like a great work environment and uh, get to work with some really cool things. If you like racing and um, you like hands-on work, this is definitely the place for you. And of course, make sure you get your Schultz Racing Fuel Cells. That way, in the case of an emergency, 
you know you're protected by the best. But check them out on the web, Schultz Racing Fuel Cells and Schultz Products. Also, we welcome our good friends at DeBerry Paint and Body for coming on board, one of our new major sponsors here on the Racing with Ryan podcast. Once you get your service done at American Auto, you know if you're involved in an incident, you need some body work done, make sure you take it to DeBerry Paint and Body. That's the only place I trust with my vehicle, so make sure you take them there. You can call them at 386-320-0267. They are located at 400 Chairman Court, Suite 200 in DeBerry, Florida, 32713. And they are open uh, Monday through Friday, 9 to 6, and Saturdays before race day from 10 to 1. So make sure you get with them if you need any body work. Hey, if your car's looking a little dull in the Florida sun, they got you covered as well. That is DeBerry Paint and Body. We thank them for coming on board. And we welcome a brand new sponsor for tax season here at the Racing with Ryan podcast. Got to make sure you get those taxes done. And you want to make sure it's done by somebody who's going to do you right. We welcome SRQ Taxes. That is, of course, our good friend Steve Darling. Uh, they are a family-owned tax practice with offices located in Sarasota, Florida, but they can assist with taxes anywhere via their secure portal. Uh, you can give them a call at 941-840-1099, 941-840-1099, or for more information, you can visit srqtaxes.com. And again, if uh, somebody's going to be handling my money, I want to make sure it's it's somebody that I know and trust, and I know that Steve will take good care of you. So SRQ Taxes, thank you for coming on board and uh, being the official tax partner of the Racing with Ryan podcast. And hey, with all these sponsorships, yeah, we're going to need some taxes too. And we'd also like to welcome brand new sponsor to the podcast, Jacked Racing. Make sure you check them out on YouTube and all other social medias. Of course, that is Jack Hall, the driver of the Double Zero Pro Truck that we'll see in action during the World Series and the regular season at the New Smyrna Speedway and some other tracks as well. Make sure you follow Jacked Racing on YouTube for all of their updates and great content. Follow their TikTok as well if you're into that sort of thing. Uh, we thank them for taking advantage of our special World Series offer here. Um, they clicked on the uh, on the PayPal link, and they are now a sponsor for the World Series episodes. If you'd like to get on board, make sure you check out the Racing with Ryan Facebook page and click on that link, and you too can become a sponsor, just $5 an episode. But make sure you check out Jacked Racing on YouTube, and make sure you check them out at your nearest short track as well. Uh, we also thank our good buddy Andy Morrison with Never Give Up Racing, a huge supporter of Florida Short Track Racing. He has some great picture frames that are available. Uh, he gave some of those out during the banquet back a couple of weeks ago, and he sent me some information on the Never Give Up Racing light-up picture frames. If you would like to get one, you can call Andy or text Andy at 407 407- 675-1769. They are $35 a piece. They'll make a great addition to any man cave or even living room. So make sure you check those out. I know he's got hats and t-shirts available all the time as well. And he will be doing a lot to support, uh, especially Bomber A and B racing at New Smyrna, but Short Shark Racing as a whole this coming season. Again, if you'd like to come on board, there's always opportunity, just $5 an episode you name what you want to do, and we'll get it on the show. And we appreciate everybody for their support, past or present. And now, we'll let you get back to the show. 
All right, everyone, welcome back to the show. We're going to take a few moments here and review all the action from the Auburndale Speedway this weekend. Uh, we were lucky enough to be there, thanks to Steve Darling and SRQ Taxes and everyone over at the Auburndale Speedway for having us. Um, definitely an enjoyable time. It's always a good time at the races when the sportsmen are on track. I don't care if it's the New Smyrna Sportsman Division. I don't care if it's SRL or just a 50-lap sportsman race. I've always enjoyed that division. Uh, definitely one of my favorites. And um, always interested in what the SRL series uh, has to offer. Um, if you're interested, just throw this out there. If you ever go back and, and search these podcasts for something to listen to, um, go back and listen to the one where we had Ricky Brooks on board after he took over last year, after their first race at Auburndale, where things got a little bit out of control. Um, this kind of th- this race kind of reminds me of what happened there last year in their first race of the year. So go back and listen to that interview. I think Ricky's done a great job with this series. You can't make every race a perfect race. Um, this one had some hiccups. Still a great race overall. Very enjoyable. Um, definitely kept my interest through the whole 75 laps and we'll get in depth with it but just wanted to throw that out there we did interview ricky last year maybe we'll get him back on the show uh because he has a whole bunch of other things going on ricky is uh, a very busy guy and you know whether you love him or hate him you always listen when he talks so just throwing that out there um so again uh we were able to be there the last couple of weeks we've relied on speedway video so thankful to have speedway video and and so great to see him have these opportunities at other tracks. He took the week off last week to spend time with family and get prepared for the World Series. Um, we previously just did the World Series preview, but I want to throw this out there. Speedway Video will not be posting nightly race action. Um, they will not be able to do so until 30 days after the World Series. The only place to watch the World Series live or to watch replays is Flow Racing. They have the exclusive broadcast rights and live streaming rights to the World Series. Um, Don't click on any links that are posted. It is a scam. It is 100% a scam. If you pay anybody except Flow Racing any money to watch the World Series, A, you will have your money stolen from you, and B, you will not be able to watch. Flow Racing, it is expensive. You get it for the year. That's how it works. Believe me, I've been through that. I wanted to watch one thing and found out I couldn't. Got charged 150 bucks. It's worth it. Um, The bad taste in my mouth from that experience has since gone away because I did get my value out of it, even though the initial 150 hurt. Speedway Video, though, does have you covered. If you are planning to be at the races, if you can't make it, you don't have $150 for the live streams, Speedway Video has you covered. He's teamed up with Tom Whipple, and they are going to be able to bring you exclusive highlight packages each night that, A, promote the racing at New Smyrna, give you a little taste of what you miss. Not everything, but a little taste, and um, promote Flow Racing and promote uh, one of Speedway Video's big sponsorships. So don't fret. You'll be able to see what's going on. Um, There is no better experience, and this is not to put Flow Racing down or Speedway Video Racing down. There is no experience except for – there's no better experience than being there. Um, When you're there, you control what you see, not what the camera sees. So listen – $150 is a lot, but think about what it costs to actually be at the racetrack. Think about what the drivers are paying to be there. Think about all that goes into it. If you can be a part of the World Series, at least for a night, I I strongly, strongly encourage it. But you do have options. So the the biggest thing is we want eyeballs on this damn thing, and we know there's going to be plenty. So um, back to Auburndale here. Um, 
let's start with the sportsman race. Uh, good field, 24 cars. I don't think you need any more than that. Uh, actually, 25 cars. Bill Shea with a DNS. Man, Bill Shea is having a tough time getting those cars to cooperate for him. He's had a lot of DNSs this year, but hey, that's part of it. He's trying to get this thing figured out. Uh, so 25 cars in attendance, that, that's a good turnout. If you have any more than 24 on a track like Auburndale on a quarter mile, a flat quarter mile, you're asking for trouble. Hell, in this one, 24 was a bit too much. Plenty of dust-ups in this one, plenty of wrinkled quarter panels and front bumpers, but that's to be expected with the sportsman. That's to be pretty much expected any division when you have over you know 16 cars on the track at Auburndale. Um, fast qualifier was Daniel Webster. He continues to be on a tear, um, but then he had some mechanical issues and he kind of explained it. We'll fast forward to the end of this thing. He explained it, uh, that, uh, his car was the last one that he worked on. He's got a bunch of clients and he's got teammates that he helps keep in action. And he said his car was the last one to get worked on and they missed a few things. Obviously car was still fast, but they had to work through the autograph session to get that car ready and he had some issues early on in the race. He pitted early, went to the back, and uh, he was, I'll tell you now, he was able to claw his way back up front. Daniel Webster, right now, one of the most impressive drivers in this SRL Sportsman Series. He and Steve Gill have really caught my attention here, and we'll see if that's reflected in the power rankings on the third and final segment of the show. Uh, one of the biggest things to happen in this race, we had a spin, <coughs> excuse me, we had a spin early on, where Tim Sozio got turned around on a restart. And this guy in the 10, I don't know anything about him, Austin Craig out of Pinellas Park. Everybody else is slowing down, and they're splitting the spinning car of Tim Sozio to the left, to the right. And here comes Austin Craig. I don't know if he didn't have a spotter. I don't know if his radio communication went out. It's it's hard to just say, but he went flying in there and just KO'd Tim Sozio. I mean, I... If he hit the brakes, it wasn't until the very, very last second, and that was not enough time. And he destroyed his car and Tim Sozio's car. Definitely disappointing. We'd give Austin Craig the Richard Cranium of the Week Award just on sure um, ARCA brake issues there. Um, it, it was definitely one of those things where if you spin out at the front of the field, you expect to get tangled up, but not from, like, the guy running 20th. You expect, you know, the guy a position or two behind you to get into you but not somebody coming at you full speed. That's just somebody not paying attention. That's just somebody who, you know, maybe it was like a Gavin Graham situation where you see the situation and you just don't react the right way. We've got to give some benefit of the doubt because none of us except Austin Craig were driving that race car, so we don't know what's going through his head. We don't know what happened. Um, you know, if he lost spotter communication and didn't react in time, that's one thing. But, man, it was definitely one of those situations where you see it and you go, what the heck is that guy thinking? So there was another incident before this involving Tyler Schofield and James Seawright. And I just want to make it very clear that I reached out to Tyler, um, Tyler uh, Schofield, not Tyler Simpson, Tyler Schofield, uh, to get his point of view. Cause I asked him straight up. I'm like, Hey, what happened with you and the eight car in early in the race? I don't know if they had gotten together a couple laps prior, but going into turn three on like lap five or seven or something like that, Schofield went to the corner, and that car, it looked like he just sent it in there and drove it straight into James Seawright and then stuffed him in the turn four wall. Um, a lot of momentum was scrubbed off before they got to turn four. The initial contact was pretty wild, and then both cars ended up stuffed basically head-on into the turn four wall. And at that time, I looked at at Austin and, and, and Margot and Kenny, 
And I was like, what the hell was that all about? And we all kind of looked at each other with bewilderment, like, well, we don't, that, that wasn't right. That didn't seem right. But the race officials let both drivers continue. So they didn't see anything wrong. And Tyler Schofield chose not to comment. So I can't, uh, for, from my perspective in the grandstands, it looked like he just sent it into turn three. So I don't know if there was a mechanical issue. I don't know if there was some contact earlier in the race that Tyler was not happy with. I don't know if it was just a mistake, a la Kyle Larson and, and Ty Dillon at the road course last year, but it did not look good. Both drivers were able to continue. Tyler Schofield had an okay result, um, ending up actually in the fourth position. So that's a good result for Tyler. James Seawright, though, he suffered a little bit more, finishing way back here in the 15th position. So um, definitely some of the wilder incidents in the race. A lot of spins, a lot of bumper tag, um, some really questionable driving at times from certain drivers. But, man, I'm telling you, you're going to get that here at Auburndale. Watching, recently watching races at Auburndale in Citrus, Citrus is little bit more racy of a racetrack you can move up a groove and still get around the track at auburndale if you get knocked out of the groove it's kind of like the clash if you get knocked out of the groove you're going backwards so not as much space to race which again makes for some exciting moments it just kind of depends what you like if you like pure racing maybe citrus is more your flavor if you like team chaos maybe auburndale the bullring is is more your favor if you like high speed high stakes the new smyrna is your your cup of tea so all these tracks have their own characteristics and I'm not knocking either one. I enjoy going, I enjoy going all over the place to be honest with you. And I enjoyed this race, just a lot of cautions. It took about an hour to get the first 10 laps in. Then things eventually settled down. We got some good racing late in the race. Um, another questionable moment here, late race restart. Joe Winchell has made his way up alongside Brandon Morris, who had dominated the race, um, took the lead over and led much of the back portion of the race. Um, but he and Joe Winchell were battling side by side for the lead. They go off into turn three. There's a car spinning. Yellow comes out, and they actually award Joe Winchell with the lead. And I was confused about this because I thought the caution came out before the cars got to the line. So I figured we would revert back to the last completed lap. Brandon Morris was the control car at this point. Joe Winchell was making it work on the outside, but they ruled, and I asked Steve about this, um, they ruled that Joe Winchell had the lead at the line. And I'll be honest with you, I was watching the wreck, not the line. So I wasn't sure which car was there. And I'm not sure exactly when the yellow came out. So I'm going to go with what the official said and what Steve told me that at the time when the caution came out, the lap was complete. I, I'm pretty sure they didn't get more than half the field across like we do at New Smyrna to count a lap. But again, that's their call. That's what they decided to do. They put Joe Winchell as the control car. We go to the next restart. Winchell then again elects to go to the outside. I'm sorry. If you elect the outside on your own at Auburndale, I think you're making a big mistake. I know it worked for him, quote-unquote, worked for him because he got saved by that, and I'll say, quote-unquote, saved by that caution. Um, if I was Winchell, I would have went to the inside. I would have made Brandon Morris beat me the hard way. Instead, it left uh, Brandon Morris with the inside lane. Joe Winchell got a terrible, terrible restart and faded back to sixth with just a couple laps to go, not able to recover. Definitely one of those situations where I made a point to ask, hey, what happened with this? Because sitting in the grandstands, it was it was very hard to hear the commentary, and I didn't bring headphones to listen to a track tune or anything like that. Um, obviously not watching the broadcast. I didn't pay to go watch the broadcast, so I don't know what exactly was set up there, but from the explanation I got from Steve, who works there, was the announcer there, um, you know, they, they called 
wins to the leader. But in my opinion, it was a ball don't lie situation. Brandon Morris got the lead back. He dominated this race and he takes the win at his home track of Auburndale. He is tough to beat over there and he's had a good season. He's, I believe, third in points. There's a tie between Daniel Webster and Steve Gill in the points. What an impressive run for Steve Gill. He's been so solid these first two SRL sports and races. Another second place finish here for the initial pole sitter of the race, Steve Gill. Uh, Daniel Webster, the fast qualifier. He rebounded from his early problems to finish in the third position. Webster continues to impress. Uh, Steve Gill continues to impress. Brandon Morris defends his home turf. So uh, the cards laid out as they should have when the checkered flag flew. Uh, Tyler Schofield was fourth. Brandon Strevels was in fifth. Joe Winchell, sixth. Keith Lilly, he had an up-and-down kind of night. He was seventh. Chase Lovelady, another track regular in the late model side of things. He was in eighth. Ninth was Mark Peterson. And Jason Bartram, the purple 73, was in 10th. James DeBow finished in 11th. Twelfth was Dodge Carlbert. He got slammed around quite a bit. Chris Huntoon got his car all bent up. He'll be in New Smyrna. I love how it says Newberry, Vermont, as his hometown for Chris Huntoon. Uh, Danny Partello, 14th. 15th for Seawright, Devin McLeod. Uh, forgot to touch on this, but he was involved in a big wreck. Um, about the 75% portion of the race. A restart lineup, everybody checked up. He got jacked up. He had a car riding inside his passenger side window for a moment down the front straightaway in one of the wilder wrecks of the night. Took him out. Tough weekend for Devin McLeod. They just seemed to be behind the eight ball uh, the whole weekend, and they get a 16th place finish, and they destroyed a race car to show for it. Um, James Jones was 17th, 18th for Joe Hamilton. Austin Craig was 19th. Sean Harper, Chad Rutherford, Kevin Macy, Tim Sozio, and Adam Briggs, who had rear end trouble. <coughs> Excuse me. Briggs had rear end trouble early in the race. I think it was like lap one or two on, I think it was the second restart because we had a caution on lap one. Second restart, he had rear end problems. So a tough, tough day for a couple of drivers. We expected to contend a la Adam Briggs, Tim Sozio, and uh, the aforementioned Devin McLeod. It's going to it's gonna be tough for Sozio and Briggs to get back to New Smyrna. They were planning a race this weekend. We will see if they are able to make it. So um, that's a quick rundown of all the action from the Auburndale Speedway with the sportsman portion of things. Let's check in on their local classes here. They had, uh, I believe, three other local classes running. Uh, Jeffrey White made the trip over from New Smyrna to run this race. Uh, it wasn't the easiest of heat races for Jeffrey. He finished fourth out of seven in the heat race and started kind of deep in the field, actually started fourth on the field and was able to drive up through. It wasn't an easy win for him. Uh, Speedway Video does have in-car from uh, Jeffrey White. Um, a couple of people helped Speedway Video getting some in-car footage to put up since he couldn't film the actual races due to the live stream, but some in-car footage has been put up and uh, Jeffrey White, you'll see his drive through the field wasn't easy, but he was able to outduel Roger Blevins for the victory. Bray Ganey was third, Dylan Martin fourth, and Cody Durham rounding out the top five there. In the Scramblers, decent field. There was 15 of them there. Uh, pretty typical Scrambler race, a lot of craziness going on. Uh, the two fast guys that we talk about uh, on a weekly basis here up towards the front, TJ Cruz and Bill Witherington, who got his car figured back out. Those were the guys to beat, and it would be TJ Cruz taking home the victory. I believe his second in a row, Bill Witherington, was second. Mike Ingle, another one of the in-car cameras that uh, Speedway Video has up, if you want to check that out. Toby Ganey was fourth. Fifth was Zachary Dees. Roy Healy was sixth. 
Seventh for Jay Robert, uh, Greg Britt, William Kearns, and James Hare rounding out your top ten. So good run there for the Scramblers. Crown Vicks were the last race of the night, and this was another controversial one. Um, pretty typical Crown Vic race for the most part, but we had a great battle shaping up between Tyler Landis and Mike Pitts. Mike Pitts started on the pole, led much of the race. Tyler Landis's car was flying through the center of the corner, and the last five laps or so, and Tyler had an in-car as well, so that was the third in-car uh, that you can go check out. Um, Tyler would get to the back bumper of Mike Pitts in the center of the corner, and give him a shot. And I mean, give him a shot. But every time he would get Mike Pitts out of the groove, it seemed like Tyler would let off or, you know, maybe the back end was starting to swap around on him. He had to let off, not able to get by Mike Pitts. So we're coming to the white flag. White flag is clearly out. Tyler Landis makes a move in the middle of one and two, bumps into Mike Pitts. Mike Pitts goes out wide coming off two, and they come together on the exit of turn number two. And Mike Pitts comes right down across the front of Tyler Landis and goes spinning into the infield. And you're thinking, well, hey, it's last lap, man. The gloves have been off for the last five. They've been swapping paint, beating bumpers, racing hard like you do in a Crown Vic. So you're thinking, well, Tyler Landis finally got him, and he's coming off turn number four. And instead of seeing the checkers like you expect, the yellow flag is out. And a lot of times I go off of what we do at New Smyrna because that's where I'm at on a normal basis. And normally the white flag comes out, next flag ends it. You know, if it's yellow, it's yellow checker. Um but that was not the case here. They threw the yellow. They restarted the race. Mike Pitts actually pulled off the speedway. Tyler Landis got yanked to the back for being involved in the caution. So that opened the door for Mike Wilson in the 89 to get the win ahead of Shane Bennett and Kalen Menard. So a different top three than we are normally used to seeing over there at Auburndale. Um, but I, I, I'm not blaming anybody, but I'm sorry. I disagree with that call. The white flag was out. That And, and the other thing that pissed me off, or – it pissed me off. But the other thing that didn't make sense was instead of throwing a green-white checker, they threw a green-white. So a one-lap shootout. Nobody's going to do anything in one lap except wreck each other. Um, so I, I thought that was a questionable decision. But, hey, that's what they decided to do. That's what the race director wanted to do. And that's why the race director gets to do what he wants. He's the race director. So that's what they did. Didn't like the finish of this one. Didn't agree with it. But, hey, congratulations to Mike Wilson. He gets the win. And I just remember Steve saying, hey, what flag follows the white? And the answer to that should be checkers. And uh, yeah, so interesting night. It was a fun one. Got to give it Got to give it up to Auburndale and their crew and the SRL guys. Very efficient show. Um, they had an intermission. They had a lot of crashes in the sports and race, but they did a great job. I think we were done by 1030, 1030, 11. We walked around the pits for a little bit, so I lost track of time. Um, but man, they, they did a great job. And it was fun to just sit back. We we sat down towards turn number four, top of the bleachers, away from everybody. Um, it was me, Margot, Peyton, uh, Austin from Citrus, and uh, Kenny. Y'all know Kenny from the internet. Kenny from the internet. That's what we'll call him. And uh, yeah, we all enjoyed ourselves. And uh, honestly, the, this podcast, uh, I expected it to go a little bit different here this week. I wanted to have Austin in for this segment. I was going to record with him the next day. Um, after the races, he wasn't feeling too well. So he actually went home instead of hanging out. Um, I wanted to have Margo on last night and things just, uh, things didn't work out there. Uh, so I apologize for that. I know everybody likes to hear what she has to say. Um, we'll get her on for the review show. She's been busy. I've been busy. Things have been crazy. We have company at the house and things just didn't line up right. Um, 
You can check out the hot mic to get Steve's input on all of this as well as he tells it in his style, and we'll see what his thoughts are there. So that was Auburndale Speedway from this past weekend, and congratulations to the SRL Sportsman winner, Brandon Morris. So we are going to pivot here, take another quick commercial break here from our great supporters and advertisers here on the podcast real quick. On the second half of the show, or the second half, uh, the third and final segment of the show, we're going to talk about the clash a little bit, have some things to say about that race. I'm not going to dwell on it too much. Um, we'll, we'll have more NASCAR talk going forward, but I don't have too much to say, but I have a couple things I want to talk about with the clash, and then I'll give you the updated power rankings heading into the World Series and this upcoming weekend of racing along with Daytona 500 power rankings. So all of that coming up here after the break. Hey, everybody, I want to take a quick moment here and thank some of our great sponsors with the Racing with Ryan podcast, including one of our first, American Auto. They are located at 1523 South Dixie Freeway in New Smyrna Beach. You can get a hold of them at 386-428-1941 for tires and service. They've got you covered 100% of the time for fast, dependable service. You can always count on American Auto. We also thank 124 Welding and Fabrication with Ron D'Alessandro and his company for coming on board and supporting the show here. Uh, Make sure you check out their Etsy store. Uh, Go to Etsy.com and search 124 Welding and Fab. That'll come right up. You can see some of the great items that Ron has for sale. And of course, you can reach out to them if you want uh, some custom work done. They do all kinds of stuff. Welding and Fabrication, obviously, but uh, great decorations and metalworking available for sale as well at 124 Welding and Fabrication. Check out the Etsy store. We also thank our good friends at Schultz Engineered Products and Schultz Racing Fuel Cells, one of our major sponsors here on the show. Um, They do, I I mean, just high-quality work. If you want the best in safety, you get the best with Schultz. Um, They have been hiring if you're looking for a good place to work. I know a number of people now working over there. Um, get with get with Rob at uh, 732-922-4334 and uh, see what they're looking for. See what's available. If you like a great work environment and uh, get to work with some really cool things. If you like racing and um, you like hands-on work, this is definitely the place for you. And of course, make sure you get your Schultz Racing Fuel Cells. That way, in the case of an emergency, you know you're protected by the best. Check them out on the web, Schultz Racing Fuel Cells and Schultz Products. Also, we welcome our good friends at DeBerry Paint and Body for coming on board, one of our new major sponsors here on the Racing with Ryan podcast. Once you get your service done at American Auto, you know if you're involved in an incident, you need some body work done, make sure you take it to DeBerry Paint and Body. That's the only place I trust with my vehicle. So make sure you take them there. You can call them at 386-320-0267. They are located at 400 Chairman Court, Suite 200 in DeBerry, Florida, 32713. And they are open uh, Monday through Friday, 9 to 6, and Saturdays before race day from 10 to 1. So make sure you get with them if you need any body work. Hey, if your car's looking a little dull in the Florida sun, they got you covered as well. That is DeBerry Paint and Body. We thank them for coming on board, and we welcome a brand new sponsor for tax season here at the Racing with Ryan podcast. Got to make sure you get those taxes done, and you want to make sure 
It's done by somebody who's going to do you right. We welcome SRQ Taxes. That is, of course, our good friend Steve Darling. Uh, they are a family-owned tax practice with offices located in Sarasota, Florida, but they can assist with taxes anywhere via their secure portal. Uh, you can give them a call at 941-840-1099, 941-840-1099, or for more information, you can visit srqtaxes.com. And again, if uh, somebody's going to be handling my money, I want to make sure it's it's somebody that I know and trust, and I know that Steve will take good care of you. So SRQ Taxes, thank you for coming on board and uh, being the official tax partner of the Racing with Ryan podcast. And hey, with all these sponsorships, yeah, we're going to need some taxes too. And we'd also like to welcome brand new sponsor to the podcast, Jacked Racing. Make sure you check them out on YouTube and all other social medias. Of course, that is Jack Hall, the driver of the Double Zero Pro Truck that we'll see in action during the World Series and the regular season at the New Smyrna Speedway and some other tracks as well. Make sure you follow Jacked Racing on YouTube for all of their updates and great content. Follow their TikTok as well if you're into that sort of thing. Uh, we thank them for taking advantage of our special World Series offer here. Um, they clicked on the uh, on the PayPal link, and they are now a sponsor for the World Series episodes. If you'd like to get on board, make sure you check out the Racing with Ryan Facebook page and click on that link, and you too can become a sponsor, just $5 an episode. But make sure you check out Jacked Racing on YouTube, and make sure you check them out at your nearest short track as well. Uh, we also thank our good buddy Andy Morrison with Never Give Up Racing, a huge supporter of Florida short track racing. He has some great picture frames that are available. Uh, he gave some of those out during the banquet back a couple of weeks ago, and he sent me some information on the Never Give Up Racing light-up picture frames. If you would like to get one, you can call Andy or text Andy at 407 407- Six seven five one seven six nine. They are $35 a piece. They'll make a great addition to any man cave or even living room. So make sure you check those out. I know he's got hats and t-shirts available all the time as well. And he will be doing a lot to support, uh, especially Bomber A and B racing at New Smyrna, but short track racing as a whole this coming season. Again, if you'd like to come on board, there's always opportunity, just $5 an episode you name what you want to do, and we'll get it on the show. And we appreciate everybody for their support, past or present. And now, we'll let you get back to the show. All right, everybody, welcome back. Let's quickly talk about the clash at the Coliseum that happened this past Sunday. Um, you know, last year I was pretty positive on this event and really thought that they could only improve on this event for this year. Overall, I, I think it was stagnant to be honest with you. Um, there were some things I liked, some things I didn't like. Um, first of all, they did a piss poor job telling people what time the event actually started. I heard that the ticket said the race started at, I think it was five o'clock their time, eight o'clock our time. So <clears throat> I have a problem with that because that tells these people you're trying to reach out to more casual fans that just tells them, hey, the race starts at 8, but you're going to miss all the preliminary stuff. So if you think the race starts at 8 or the event starts at 8 and you see there's going to be heat races, consolation races, and then a main event, and they're not specific about that the heats and consolations start earlier than that, I'm sorry, if I was a casual fan, and I'm not into the NASCAR world, so I don't know, you know, I'm not on Twitter following NASCAR to know, 
you know, heat race number one will start at 3.02 on the dot, like NASCAR has things scheduled out. Um, if I'm a casual fan and I have my, t- my ticket and I think the event starts at 8 o'clock and I'm expecting to go there, see heat races, B-mains, and a feature, and then the BS concerts, well, if I don't, if, if I get gypped on all that other stuff, I'm going to be mad. I'm not coming back. So for them to say that the event started at that time, they, they should have been more specific. Heat races start at this time. B-mains to follow. Main event will start at 8. Your concert will be at lap 75. Be specific about that stuff because when you turn on the TV to watch the heats, as a NASCAR fan, and you see that place only 10% full, that's a bad look. Now, obviously, it filled in. It wasn't a sellout. The crowd was okay come main event time. I mean, um, you know, some 45, 50,000 people there. That's a good turnout for an exhibition-style race in the middle of Los Angeles. Um, so, yeah, that that's fine. There were empty seats, but you put that many people in Daytona, and you're going to have just way more empty seats. It'll look way worse than it did at the Clash. So that it, it wasn't fair to judge the heat race crowd, but it's fair to judge that the promotional items were definitely screwed up and need work. You want to promote that whole thing, not just, hey, the main event starts at 8, be here then. Promote the heats as part of it. The qualifying was some of the, the best parts of the whole event. The main event was just, let me run you over and bring out a bunch of cautions and a bunch of shenanigans. The heat race has meant something like, hey, I'm running you over to qualify for the race, not to get 16th position for you as we're about to get lapped. So, that's my thoughts on that. Um, I, I get what the goal of this thing is. It's to reach out to casual fans and try to hook them. Uh, but we shouldn't be trying to hook them with concerts and celebrities and people that don't give a rat's ass about racing. That is the wrong way to push a sport. And and I've had this thing come up at New Smyrna where they want to do concerts and turn it into a, a party and all that. That's not what racing's all about. You know, the, the parties afterwards between the race teams are great. But this isn't a circus. This isn't a jungle. Uh, this is a racetrack, and we should be promoting our on-track product. We should want, whether you be a local short track or a NASCAR race, in my opinion, now, obviously, whatever whatever were to happen at New Smart, I, I, I support it. And it's, you know, again, not my call, but um, sp- uh, strictly talking NASCAR here, you want to promote your on-track product. You want the people to tune in to watch what's happening with these these tracks. Now, sure, if you want to do things with the drivers so that the audience has a reason to care about these drivers, I get those, you know, those stories that you want to put out there, those those sob stories, those, you know, those stories that have a hook to to hopefully grip the the audience to keep them invested so that they have somebody to root for. I get that kind of stuff. That's great. And that's where the focus should be. The focus shouldn't have been some celebrity who couldn't tell you what direction a stock car turns. It shouldn't be a celebrity who's more concerned about Clint Boyer being wasted in their makeup versus what's actually going on on track. When they had Gwen Stefani up there talking about uh, joining the commentary crew for that last LCQ, LCQ and nobody talked about the racing for 20 laps, that was that was bad. Again, I get it. I understand you're trying to get a casual audience to tune in, but if the on-track product isn't good and there's not going to be celebrities in concerts every week, then we've missed the point. We have completely, completely missed the point. That was not a very good on-track product. Was it entertaining at times? Depends on if you're Team Chaos or Team Racing. It really does um, because that was not great racing per se. It had moments. Um, It was okay entertainment. I was glad to have it on while I ate chicken wings and drank beer and relaxed on a Sunday evening. I wasn't particularly 
like this is not an event that I would want to go back and watch. Um, it's not if I were a newcomer to NASCAR, it's not what I would want to see every week. I am ex- really looking forward to the Daytona 500. Always do. I love that race. Don't care about the package or, or whatever. Um, I always look forward to that. But in my opinion, the clash at the Coliseum could go away and we could do something different and I wouldn't be upset. That's kind of my thoughts. Um, again, I thought the race was, the race had more action than last year. There's only like five cautions last year. There wasn't a crazy close finish or anything. There wasn't much drama in it. But, um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, this year had way too many crashes and way too many, way too much downtime. So, where I was looking for a little bit of a more spicy race than last year, this was like when you accidentally open the wrong end of the chili powder and instead of getting the sprinkles, you get the spoonful and it all comes out. So we got the opposite end of the spectrum and that wasn't what I was looking for. So I don't know, didn't hate it, but I I think going to the Coliseum and doing what we're doing and and I, I get that the atmosphere there was really cool. I'm sure it was a great event to attend and I think everybody had fun there and that that's great. You know, the the experience being there is always going to be different from the experience on TV. And the TV production was awful. Um, too many zoomed-in shots, too many times. Even on a small quarter mile, you couldn't tell what was going on. That's a problem. They need to fix it. Too many random cuts to the audience. Too many random cuts to full moons. Too many in-car cameras where you miss what's going on. And that just really needs to change. I want to be able to see the action on the racetrack if I wanted to see people in the crowd, I would be in the crowd. If I wanted to see the moon, I would walk outside my front door. Um, show me the race cars and show me more than just one car zoomed in all the time. If you want to zoom in on qualifying, that's fine because there's one car on the track. But show me the action. I want to see the bumping and grinding. I want to see what's going on for ninth place. Uh, I don't need to follow the leader when he's way out of front in front of the field and that's all I see. Show me the racing. So definitely room for improvement. If the Clash were to come back to the Coliseum, sure, I'm going to watch. You know, it's the first bit of NASCAR in a couple of months. So, yeah, I'm I'm invested in it. Um, But, yeah, this this is not my favorite event. I I much prefer the events at Daytona. I thought they had more intensity. I know the last one on the Super Speedway was a bit of a joke with Eric Jones winning with a damaged race car. Um, But I think they tried to do too much with the Clash at Daytona. It used to be this 20-lap shootout, pole winners only, and you might only have 12 cars in the field. And then they took so much away from the actual day. You used to get Daytona 500 practice. You used to get the ARCA race and the, the clash or the shootout, whatever it was called, all in one day. Made a full day. People were there. People were buzzing. It was a great event. And they have stripped so much away from the World Series now where Speed Weeks only is still Speed Weeks because of what's going on at Volusia, Citrus, and New Smyrna. And then you get a little bit of NASCAR this, a little bit of NASCAR that on the weekends. So uh, the short tracks are carrying Speed Weeks. That's for damn sure. Um, in my opinion, the clash would be better off going to a place like Irwindale. Um, if the all-star race doesn't work out for North Wilkesboro, maybe going to North Wilkesboro. Um, and again, I, I honestly believe the clash should go back to poll winners. We got to make the winning the poll should be more than just starting first. It should be a thing that qualifies you for something, you know, run the B main for those not qualified, run it like the open. If you want to poll, then you're you're in the show, and if not, then you can qualify your way in, and that's how you get to be part of the clash. We'll take, you know, we'll fill in maybe the top three or four, but they allowed too many cars in this time, 
27 was too much. I think 24 should have been the cap. No provisionals. Um, but that's that's just my opinion. So I think moving it to a different location, or if they want to continue the stadium thing to to be make this event different, and that's what they want to do, I hope they move it around uh, to different markets and uh, focus more on the on-track product versus the surrounding circus, if you will. So that's my take on that. Um, no other tracks in action this weekend. So let's take a look at our updated power rankings. And yes, things have changed. So basically the plan here, I'm going to read you the rankings for each thing here. And yes, we have NASCAR this weekend. And then I'll go through my notes and told, and tell you what changed. So let's start with the Florida power rankings going into this weekend. Cody Stickler, eh, well, eh, I'll go top down on this one since I just gave it away. Cody Stickler still remains number one. With an impressive performance in the sportsman race this past weekend, Daniel Webster has moved up into the number two position. He will be wielding a late model during World Series, so I'm very interested to see what he can do in that aspect. Um, Sean Bass down to third. I'm sure Sean will probably win the World Series Mod Mini 50 at the end of the World Series and probably remain in the top five. Um, Michael Hind, I still have him in fourth. Brandon Morris, with the win, has moved up into the top five. Overlooked him a little bit at Freedom Factory, but you can't overlook him at all at Auburndale, and with a win, he moves to fifth. Um, Dodge Carlbert, sixth here in the Florida Power Ranking standing. Michael Atwell down to seventh. Jeff Schofield remains in eighth. Steve Gill enters the picture once again in ninth. Um, I dropped him off because I wasn't sure what he was going to do going forward. wasn't sure Freedom Factory was a fluke, and I think his performance at Auburndale proved that it was not. Bobby Mobley, 10th. Travis Blotz, the winner of the big pure stock race over at Citrus two weeks ago, still 11th. And Caleb Grossenbacher, 12th. So pure stock guys still just hanging on to the end of the power rankings here. So let me get to my notes here and just kind of explain some of the moves. Again, Webster moves up to P2 after a solid run and co-leading the SRL points. Brandon Morris moves into the power rankings for the first time to fifth with the victory in the sportsman race. Steve Gill back in co-point leader. And a strong second-place run has him in ninth. And that might be a little bit too low for some of you guys. Um, but I think Steve Gill will remain amongst the uh, mentions here in the power rankings for most of the season. Nick Cummings drops out again. Didn't race. Um, so he falls out. Um, Brad May also dropped out. He hasn't raced since Red Eye. Wasn't particularly strong during the Red Eye. And we'll see if that changes after World Series. I don't even have him in the World Series power rankings either. So Brad May... We'll uh, have some work to do to get back in this thing. And the other big positional jump, uh, Dodge Carlbert leapfrogs over Michael Atwell just because Dodge has been racing a little bit more. He hasn't had all that great of luck, but he's still been strong. And um, he's a guy you got to look out for no matter what class he's running for. So let's jump over now <clears throat> to the final rankings, final preseason rankings for the World Series, which, of course, starts this Friday. This show coming out a little bit earlier for you guys uh, so you can listen to it beforehand. And hopefully I gave some good information um, on some drivers to watch for the World Series in the preview section earlier. But uh, here's a little bit more information as far as the power rankings go. And this time I'm going to go from 12th up. Um, and again, if you follow the Racing with Ryan Facebook page, I put the top 10 up each week uh, about – Sunday or Monday after the shows come out. So uh, you don't get everything if you just look at that. In 12th right now for the World Series Power Rankings, I have Wayne Parker in the Florida Modifieds. I expect him, as we talked about, 
uh, in depth earlier. I expect him to contend for victories and be around there at the top of the points for the series. Um, in 11th this year, newcomer, uh, the Donnie Wilson Motorsports team did finally register. So some new names on the list here this weekend and some big movement up near the front. Uh, Brett Crew is pro late model. We talked about him in the preview. I think he is a championship contender just based on what team he's driving for. So right now, preseason rankings, he's 11th. Does he move up? Does he drop out? We'll see uh, on next week's show. Uh, Jerry Simons is up to 10th, or uh, is in 10th, rounding out the top 10, a Florida Mod competitor. Again, like we talked about on the preview show, expect him to be near the front contending or at least trying to stay in the tire tracks of Cody Stickler. Connor Jones, still have him in the top 10. He is in ninth with his super late model effort. Two strong pro late model seasons in a row. Different beast with the super. He's got a lot of experience now. I think he wasn't on our list earlier, but I still think he is somebody that we're going to have to watch out for. In eighth above Connor, I have William Swalich. Again, Donnie Wilson Motorsports, hard to overlook right now. They've been very good at New Smyrna. Uh, They won the last Governor's Cup with that team. They won the last World Series championship with that team. So William has, he's got the ride. Now we'll see what he can do with it. Carson Dijon Tommaso in seventh. I think he is the strongest of the 602 competitors, but man, that entry list has ballooned over 30. A lot of newcomers coming this year. I mean, the wild card situation over there is, it's more than just one. So Carson, uh, they're coming for you. And uh, I know those guys listen. So Really excited to see what they can do. The fields have been incredible the first two years, but man, it is a huge field this year. We'll see if they can even survive. You know, that might be the key for them. If they get caught up in somebody else's mess, man, that could change it. Um, but I expect Carson to be fast. Still seventh here on the power ranking. Sixth in the power rankings for the World Series before we actually start this thing up. Derek Griffith and his super late model. Again, winner of two of the last three titles. Won two in a row in uh, 2020 and 2021 before Sammy Smith Got the championship last year. Derek will be back racing for his uh, family team. And I expect, again, he's going to win. Uh, I'll be surprised if he doesn't win. I'll put it that way. I expect him to be up in the top five championship uh, at the end. I expect him to battle for the championship in all honesty. So we'll see what he does. Michael Hind, fifth. This top pro late model driver. He'll be there to defend his crown. Uh, we'll see if he can get the super late model figured out. I'd love to see him start really competing in the super late model ranks, but that has yet to be seen. Um, I expect Michael Hine to be the man to beat in pro late models, as we talked about earlier. Um, in fourth right now, Jimmy Blewett in his tour modified. Uh, Jimmy is going to be strong in that Tommy Baldwin car. They, Tommy Baldwin was strong with all the modifieds last year. My only concern with Jimmy is his son's going to be racing the 602. I know he helps out with the primary services group guys. I think Jimmy's going to have a lot on his plate this week, and I just wonder if that'll be a distraction to him. But he overcame it all last year and was the most consistent car out there. So as long as Jimmy's consistent, he'll do what he needs to do. And if the car stays underneath him, Jimmy will be a contender. Third in the power rankings, Casey Roderick in the super late model, um, going to run for the championship. And I'm glad that here's, – here's the thing about the super late models. We, they they kind of st- – they, they don't come in all at once like the tour mods do. They kind of come in one or two a week, but the names are incredible. I mean, there are like seven, eight guys that are just fun to watch. And, and you know there's going to be a sprinkling of others throughout the week that might not run the full series, but they might run two or three times. They might just show up for the 100 lappers, and that's just fine. Uh, but the names are going to be there. And I think Casey Roderick is, uh, you know, this is his first World Series. 
And, and I think he's going to look to win the championship and, and cross this off. That's what a lot of people do. Uh, you'll see a guy like Bubba Pollard, Stephen Nassie. They they come out here, they win this championship, and they cross it off the list. And it's just kind of like, it was almost like a burden, like a carrot they've been chasing. And once they finally get that carrot, they're just kind of like, you know what? Now I can just relax. And if I want to go down to Speed Weeks and run a few nights, I can and not have to worry about the grind because it is a grind. So I expect Casey to uh, to try to get that carrot here this year. And we'll see what he does going forward. Anthony Campy Racing, of course, as we talked about earlier, great team to be with. Um, <clears throat> if for some reason you fast-forwarded through the first part and didn't get the in-depth analysis on some of these guys, go back and listen. Uh, Cody Stickler, I got him number two. He moved way up because I did uh, see his team posted about Speed Weeks, and so I just commented on there. I, I, look, I, I try to do my research. I was I was criticized last week because I, I Tom cut out part of the video when I did an interview with Tom, and I mistakenly said... Uh, somebody else was the car owner and I, and I apologize to Brickhouse Motorsports. I just a, a slip up there on my part. Um, I had a conversation with Robert Deal years and years ago and, you know, he kept referring it to it as his car, his car, his car. And I just, I accidentally said that Robert Deal was the owner. He's not a mistake. Uh, I apologize to the Brickhouse Motorsports guys and Steve Brickhouse. Um, but yeah, I, I just wanted to reach out because if Stickler was just going to run a couple of races, then he's a little bit further down on the power rankings. If he's going to run the full thing, then he moved up and did get confirmation that their plan is to run the whole thing. And that's, you know, plans change, so don't hold me to it. But um, Cody Stickler moves up to number two, going to run for the championship. He is a former champion in that old uh, Orange 99 car, one of my favorite, favorite Florida Modifieds in, uh, from of all time. Um, Cody's going to be fast in that Moff Racing or asphalt mafia motorsports or whatever they call it number 46 um so he's number two now uh he's jumped up quite a bit and then of course still at number one matt hirschman it is tough to upseed matt hirschman um he's just smooth and steady last year it was a soft tire in race number one that did him in Uh, i think he finished like 11th or 12th in the first race and then won the last three so he's going into this world series the defending um tormod 200 the wheel and tour modified uh defending champion defending race winner, um, three regular World Series wins in a row. He's looking for four starting next Monday. Um, you, you just, if Matt Hirschman is on the list, it's really hard to put anybody above him. We'll see, does he stay there? Because now the power rankings are going to shift from my opinion, my thoughts, and it's going to switch to performance. So next week, again, going to do my best to do a show. It might sound a little bit different. It might be on location. It might be done on my iPhone, but I'm going to try to update the power rankings midweek next week, let you know who's been performing well. Got to get enough races in with the pros, supers, Florida mod 602s. So um, I'll do that next next week, probably Tuesday or so, and um, see how everybody's doing. So next week, the power ranking is going to get very, very interesting. Um, I think I pretty much covered the notes, but just want to go over it. Um, these are the notes that I wrote down in my phone as far as the World Series final preseason power rankings. Cody Stickler jumps to P2, will run for the title. Uh, unfortunately, dropped out Gabe Somers. Um, again, we talked about him as a wild card on the preview show earlier, so very good chance he moves back in once we start racing. Wayne Parker, he drops down to 12th. William Swalich with his entry with Donnie Wilson Motorsports, he's up to 8th. Brent Cruz, again, same story. He moves to 11th. Hunter Wright then drops out. But again, has potential to race his way back in. Um, another driver not in that maybe some of you think should be in, Giovanna Ruggiero. I just don't know what Gio is going to do in the Super. We saw him in Limited Pro action last year. Did okay. Didn't finish the World Series after getting into it with Hunter Wright, but won 
the one of the races down here during the regular season last year. So we'll see. I just don't know what his experience is in the super late to put him on the list. So um, I kind of was like, I'm going to put one of the Wilson cars in, and I think William Swalich gets the nod. He finished third at Red Eye, where Rogerio was fourth, which isn't that far off. So again, preseason power rankings, my opinions, my thoughts, and they could be completely wrong, just like the whole damn preview show earlier. That's why I typed it up, and that's why I will go over it and let you know in a couple of weeks where I was right and where I was wrong. And same with these rankings. That'll change each and every week. Um, So the final rankings here, big changes. And I didn't write many notes on this because, well, it's, um, it's tough to do the NASCAR power rankings, especially this early in the season. But I do have an update here. I've got 15 drivers on the list because there's so many competitive NASCAR uh, drivers and it's, it's easier to keep track of these guys with them all being the same series instead of running, you know, world series versus around the state and all that stuff. So, uh, in 15th and, and think about it this way, this is kind of a combination of what happened during the clash and who I expect to run well at Daytona. So there's a little bit of those metrics put into the thought on the top 15 here. So in 15th, I have the, uh, the defending Daytona 500 champion, Austin Sindrick had to put him in here because again, won the race last year, Shoulda, coulda, woulda won the Coke Zero 400 last year too. So I think Daytona falls right into his wheelhouse. Um, so he's 15th. Alex Bowman moves into the rankings in 14th. Had a good run going in the clash. Was very solid. Um, was up front the Coke Zero 400 a little bit last year. So Alex Bowman is 14th. In 13th, still I have William Byron. Not much to say there. Just a solid driver. So solidly in the list here. Tyler Reddick I have in 12th. Uh, Christopher Bell, he's fallen down to 11th. 10th, I have Austin Dillon. Austin Dillon in the top 10, most recent Daytona winner. He's won uh, the Daytona 500 and the Coke Zero 400 in the past. Uh, Won it last year, of course, um, to qualify for the championship in a last-ditch effort. He was the one who outdueled Austin Sindrick. And Austin Dillon, second in the clash. So that propels him into the top 10. Does he stay in the top 10 this year? Probably not, but we'll see. Um... Position nine, I have Ross Chastain, just kind of an also ran in the clash. Uh, hit or miss on the super speedways. Uh, so that is why he's ninth. And that may be low to some people, but we'll see as the season progresses. Bubba Wallace is an eighth. Solid run in the clash. Didn't have the finish to show for it, but led laps and was in contention late before getting spun out by Austin Dillon. Kevin Harvick, he's seventh. I have him seventh because he's going to retire this year. It'll be, as as Margo put it, his no fucks given tour. Um so Kevin Harvick, I I, just, I can't wait to see because he's not going to care, man. If he sees a win in front of him, he's going to go take it. If he sees you in his way, just like uh, he got into William Byron at the end of the clash and spun out Denny Hamlin, he ain't going to care. He's going to bulldoze the field if he has to before he goes to uh, start working in TV. So I have him seventh. That's going to be fun to watch. Kyle Larson, sixth. Uh, not the best plate racer, but he's kind of in that you can't he's, – he's like Kyle Busch. You can't ever count him out. So um, I've got Kyle Larson sixth. With the win in the clash, Martin Truex Jr. jumps all the way up to fifth. Um, I think he's the best racer in the field that has never won a restrictor plate race. Came so close in like 2016 when Denny Hamlin edged him out. But the clash win propels Martin Truex to fifth. We'll see how his Daytona 500 goes and where he ends up on the next ranking for NASCAR. Chase Elliott fourth. um, Won two super speedway races last year, Talladega and the second race at Atlanta. 
So he's got a good feel for restrictor plate racing with this car. So he's got to be in the top five. So I put him fourth. Denny Hamlin, what can you say about his restrictor plate racing career, especially as of late? Um, didn't get a win in restrictor plate races in all six of them last year, but um, and they're not restrictor plates anymore. I know that, but just to when I say that, you guys know what type of racing we're talking about. Um, you know, three Daytona 500 wins, multiple wins at Talladega, always strong. Probably was going to win that Daytona race if it didn't wreck in the rain. So um, I got him third. And second, I have Ryan Blaney. Same story there. So good at restrictor plates. Didn't have the luck he wanted last year, but he's always running up in the top five. He's always winning stages. And he's either winning the race or losing it also close. I mean, he was so close to the 500 last year, got blocked by his teammate, ran second to Chase Elliott at Talladega. Uh, but he's also had some close finishes as well. So uh, Ryan Blaney going to the 500 in second for that very reason. I think this might be his year. And number one, I didn't want to put him first on the list last year because I wasn't sure what he's going to do with his new team, but Kyle Busch was the most exciting driver to watch during the clash. Hands down, passing people on the outside, driving through. He got spun out late in that race, like halfway through the second segment. He got spun out, drove around the outside of people up into the top five, ultimately settled for 30, let his teammate Austin Dillon go try to chase down Martin Truex when he used up his stuff. Um, I think we see a resurgent Kyle Busch this year. It pains me to say I think he wins at least four times this year. Easily going to be a playoff contender. Does he win the Daytona 500 this year? I don't know. I feel like that's just too perfect of a story, right? Um, Earnhardt waited this long. Kyle Busch has waited this long. He's been close, but never been able to grab that Harley Earl trophy. Um I think Kyle Busch has a great, he's got a, as great a shot as probably the top 10 on this list here, but just really fun to watch, really impressive run at the Coliseum. Um, I, I don't think the new team is going to be any hindrance to Kyle Busch. So he, he's number one on the power rankings going into the 500. Where does he lie after that 200 miles or 200 plus miles of grueling racing? We'll find out here in a couple weeks. Um, so again, that is our World Series preview show, our power rankings, our coverage of the SRL at the uh, Auburn Hill Speedway. So we're here uh, recording this here, going into World Series practice day coming up, and Friday night starts the racing. Um, so basically the, the way next week's show is going to go, like I said, it'll be a little bit different. I'm probably going to record it on my phone driving to the track one day. So it'll be noisy. It won't be the best quality, but I'm also going to try to get some driver interviews like I did last year talk to some of these guys about the World Series, plus I'll have updated World Series power rankings. I think I'm just going to... Daytona 500 won't change because the 500 hasn't raced yet. I'm probably going to back off Florida State until after World Series just because it, there's going to be a lot going on. So I'll have updated World Series power rankings. I'll have a midweek report of my thoughts of what's going on in the World Series and how I think it's going, and we'll get some driver interviews. We'll mash that all together, and we'll get it out there midweek next week. And then... The week after that, once all the dust is settled on the World Series, the Daytona 500 is in the books. We'll have our epic recap show for the Daytona 500, for the World Series as a whole, and anything else that has gone down in the past couple of weeks, we'll cover it. So that's what you can look forward to here on the Race from the Ryan podcast. Thank you to all of our sponsors. Uh, thanks, Jack Drayson, for coming on board. Um, I didn't know if anyone would be interested in... in I, I hate putting stuff out there like, hey, here's the thing you can click on to put money in. I hate that kind of stuff, but I appreciate those that do support this show. Um, I'd say we couldn't do it without you, but we just uh, it makes us enjoy doing the show more, and uh, we'll always continue the show. So 
Thank you guys so very much for listening. Enjoy Speed Weeks, wherever you go, Volusia, Citrus, uh, whatever else is going on on the weekends, whether you're at New Smyrna or you go to Daytona. Enjoy yourselves. Get out there. This is the best time to be alive if you're a race fan. And we'll have more coverage for you next week. Take care.